1: Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? If Jesus told you not to do something, would you do it anyway? All right, let's go one step further. If Jesus told you not to think something, would you think it anyway? Well, Jesus says not to think that, but that's going to be the very thing that I'm going to think about. Well, let's take a look at a verse that A lot of people, religious people, think the exact opposite of what Jesus said. Matthew 5 and verse 17, says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. In other words, don't think that. Now, if you've been in church six months or longer, you've probably heard the statement, Jesus came to destroy the law, to abolish the law, to fulfill the law. The law has been nailed to the cross. It's been abolished. It's been done away with. Jesus kept the law so that you don't have to. It's been fulfilled. In fact, there are hundreds of thousands of churches that dot our land who are thinking the very thing that Jesus said don't think. All right, let's take a look at it again. Matthew 5 and verse 17, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now that little word fulfill, I tell you, I don't know. Let me tell you how most religious people read that verse. I'm going to put it back up here. I'm going to translate it wrong, though, but here's how most religious people read that verse. Okay, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to destroy. Now, that's how most <laughs> religious people read that. You know, they, they think fulfill means destroyed, uh, to abrogate or to annul, you know, or to do away with. And actually what the word means, it means to fulfill, it means to fill up to make complete, to satisfy, to bring to perfection, if you will. In other words, if I had a glass up here that was half full, and I wanted to, and I took another a picture a picture of of, uh, water and I poured it full, I would fulfill, I would fill it up full. That's the meaning of the word, to make full, to make complete, to satisfy. Uh, uh, Jamison Fawcett and Brown commentary said that under the scripture it says it it says it does not mean to abrogate or to annul but to establish the law. The word fulfill means to establish the real full meaning of the law. That's what the word fulfill means. It means to fill up just like you take a glass that's half full and fill it completely full. That's what the word means. Okay, let's take. Sometimes it just helps to compare translations. Let's take a look at. I'm going to look at three uh, different translations here about that verse. Uh, the contemporary English version says, "I did not come to do away with them; that is the law, but to give them their full meaning." Hmm. Okay, I can understand that. To give them, He Jesus came to give the law, the commandments, their full meaning. All right, I got that. Uh, the Good News Bible says this: "I have not come to do away with them; that is the law." but to make their teaching come true. Okay, I can understand that. Jesus came to make the law, the teaching, come true. All right, I got that. Okay, God's Word translation says, I didn't come to set them aside, but to make them come true. There it is again, to make them come true. All right, I got that. that. That makes sense to me. All right. Okay, so why do I hear? Why do I keep hearing Christ is the end of the law? Jesus fulfilled the law, and I'm, I, what I think, when people say that, they're wanting to say, they're saying, Jesus fulfilled the law, so I don't have to keep it, I think that's what they mean by that, or that's what they're implying, why do I keep here, we're not under the law, all right, you know, J- John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, if, if you love me, keep my commandments, what did Jesus think of the law, of the law? Well, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. All right, no misunderstanding, that is it. Now, another thing I keep hearing is statements like, well, nobody can keep the law. Nobody can keep the law anyway, so we might as well not even try to keep it. Just out of here, bad laws, man. God, it looks like you know what you're doing. You keep giving us these bad laws, you know. Nobody can keep them, so let's just do away with them. A God that gives bad laws, you know, I tell you. Mm. Now, let me ask you a question. Does it make sense that God would give us a law, laws, I should say, that nobody can keep, okay, and then kill people for not keeping them? Does that make sense? Is that the kind of God that you serve? That God would give us laws knowing no one can keep it and then kill people for not keeping it? Is that the kind of God you serve? Maybe you've never heard of Zechariah and Elizabeth. That may ring a bell, those two names, Zachariah and Elizabeth. It says this of them, Luke 1 and verse 6, and it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Wow, blameless. That's pretty powerful, is it not? So nobody can keep the law. Maybe that's just their excuse for not wanting to keep the law. Are you with me? Maybe that's just people's excuses for not wanting to keep the law. I mean, after all, don't we understand that all of God's law is voluntary? Yeah, really, it is. You know, I mean, it's voluntary. You don't, when's the last time God made you do anything? All of God's law is voluntary. Listen, if you don't want to keep it, don't keep it. All right, you'll answer to God for that, but, you know, I mean, it's just that simple. You don't want to do that? Don't do it. Now, there are consequences. Your life will not work when you break God's law. Your life will fall all to pieces around your feet when you don't keep keep God's law. God's law is for the purpose of making your life work. That's the reason he gave it, to make your life work. But it's all voluntary. It really is. The decision to love God must be free. Okay? You must be free to choose to do Or do not. And most people, uh, religious people, have built a religion around not doing. We don't want to do anything. We don't want any works around here. No, that would be terrible. We just want to be lazy. We just want to love the Lord. Just accept his grace and do nothing. Yeah? All right. So Jesus fulfilled the law. What does that mean? Well, again, the illustration of a glass half. full. And we fill it to the full, complete, to satisfy, to make full. All right, let's take a look at it. Matthew 5 and verse 27. It says, you've heard that it was said of them old time, you shall not commit adultery. So we have a glass, we have a law here that's half full, let's say. And there were all kinds of people who I think during that time could honestly say, I've never committed adultery. I've never been unfaithful to my wife. Okay. Now, maybe this law needs to be fulfilled, to fill up, to make complete, to satisfy, to make perfect, okay? So Jesus comes along and says, but I say unto you that whosoever looks upon a woman to lust after her commits adultery with her already in his heart. So you mean if I look, if I fantasize, if I look at pornography, I'm guilty? In other words, Jesus is talking about the spirit of the law, what goes on between the ears. There's a letter of the law that says, don't commit adultery. And Jesus comes along and says, we're going to fulfill this law, we're gonna fill this law to the full by saying, if you fantasize about having sex, you're guilty of, with another woman, other than your spouse, (laughs) you're guilty of committing adultery. Now, let me ask you a question. Does this, does Jesus' interpretation of the law, does that make it more or less binding? Well, it makes it more binding, because Jesus is talking about what's going on between the ears, what you think about. And again, I think most religious people, when they talk about, well, Jesus just fulfilled the law, and I'm not, I think what they mean is that, you know, what they're, they're looking at it is like, I'm not obligated to keep it, is the way they look at that. All right, let's take another verse. Matthew 5 and verse 21. You have heard it of, it was said of them old time, you shall not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now again, we have a glass that's half full. And maybe this law needs to be fulfilled. Filled up. Because there were all kinds of people who could honestly say, I've never killed anybody. I've never murdered in my life. But maybe this law needs to be fulfilled to fill up to make complete, to satisfy, to make perfect. So Jesus comes along and says this. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, You fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. You mean to tell me? If I'm driving in traffic and I flip someone, someone pulls out in front of me and I flip someone off and I I think to myself, I wish that person didn't exist on this earth. You mean to tell me I'm guilty of murdering that person? Yeah, in your mind you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. The letter of the law said don't murder. And Jesus comes along and says we're going to We're going to fill this law full by saying if you have hatred toward another in your heart, in your mind, you're guilty of breaking this commandment. Now question, does this make it, does Jesus' interpretation make it more or less binding? It makes it more binding because he's talking about what goes on between the ears, what you think about. Yeah, absolutely. All right let's take a look at some more verses here in matthew 5 and verse 38 we're talking about the subject of what does it mean when jesus said he fulfilled the law fulfilled the law a lot of people think it's sort of like done away with or he dismissed it but that's not what the word fulfill means it means to fill up to make perfect to satisfy the law okay he says you have heard that it was said has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, this is Matthew 5 and verse 38. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. All right, now, what was going on uh, back then? Now, this, this, this is actually uh, taken from a scripture in the Old Testament. Stripe for stripe, burning for burning, you know, life for life. If you kill somebody, you deserve to be killed, all right? But what happened is, by Jesus' time that he walked this earth, they had taken this to the point of personal vengeance. Personal vengeance, and then this was a no-no. Okay, uh, even back in the Old Testament, you had a judicial system of judges that would render a decision. Now, once that decision was rendered, you personally could, if someone took you know a life, you could personally take that you could personally take that person's life, but not until the judges handed down a decision. But by this time, you know, when Jesus walked this earth, they were taking this to the point of personal vengeance without the proof positive, you know, of what had, had actually occurred. Alright, so Jesus comes along and says, but I say unto you, that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek. Now that's a little bit Hard to understand here. Let's, let's look at it from a different translation. All right, the basic Bible English version says, But I say to you, do not make use of force against an evil man. The contemporary English version says, But I tell you not to try to get even with a person who has done something to you. Again, you know, it's the idea I don't get mad, I get even. This is wrong. This is a sin. This is a sin. Uh, Basically, what we're talking about is this. Suffer any injury that can be borne for the sake of peace. Be a peacemaker with people. Don't go looking for a fight. Okay? Let it go. There are times when you just need to let it go. Okay? now this doesn't mean that if someone comes up to you and knocks you across, knocks your teeth out, you're just supposed to take it. It's not what it's talking about. It's not what it's talking about. In other words, suffer any injury that can be borne for the, in other words, if peace can be achieved, work toward that peace between human beings. Now, if someone's breaking into your home, obviously, that's not, you're not going to be able, you know, if someone comes into your home, breaks into your home with a gun, they're not, there's no peace going to be achieved between you and that person. Uh, What do you do? Well, this is where you call up, you know, Smith and Wesson, and you know, (laughs) Uh, You have a right to protect yourself, okay? Yes, you have a right to protect yourself. All right, but don't pursue personal vengeance. So Jesus lifts the law up to its spiritual level by saying, you know, be a peacemaker among other people. Be a peacemaker. If it's possible, and that's a big if, but if it's possible, work for peace and harmony between people. Don't go looking for a fight. Okay. All right. Matthew 5 and verse 43 says, you have heard it has been said of them, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I don't know where they got this. I mean, you know, to love your neighbor, I get, but to hate your enemy, they had corrupted the teachings of the law by this time. The Pharisees of Jesus days with the, uh, with the oral law, the tradition of the elders, they had corrupted the teaching of the the law of God, or the law of Moses, that the law that Moses wrote down, because nowhere in the Bible does it say that we are to hate our enemy. Well, let's take a look at what it actually does say, Leviticus 19 and verse 18, you shall not avenge, and that, there we go again, you shall not avenge, try to make peace, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. So, what do I mean by they had corrupted the law? Well, they had corrupted corrupted the law by saying, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, that's not in the Bible. There's nothing in there about hating your enemy. All right. So, Jesus comes along and he lifts this law up to its full understanding. He says, but I say to you, love your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And persecute you. All right. Now, again, Jesus lifts the law up. He fulfills the law. He lifts it up to that spiritual level and says, this is how you're supposed to live your life. Okay. Now, let me tell you a little incident that happened to me one time. I had, I had purchased, a uh, back when I was, a, I think, a teenager, or in my early 20s, I would purchased a motorcycle, a dirt bike, an uh, enduro bike, from a friend of mine that I thought was a friend. I thought, I mean, I knew the guy so-so, but I didn't. Well, anyway, what, what I found out was, he had sold me a stolen motorcycle. Yeah. He had actually gotten this motorcycle to buy from another guy. He had failed to make the payment on it. And he turns around and sells it to me for $500, and I thought it was a good deal, you know. But so I found out all of this later on. The guy, the original owner, called me up and said, hey, that motorcycle, I had the title to it. It's my motorcycle. This guy never paid me for it. And I thought, oh boy, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna be out of my $500, I'm gonna be out of a mo- motorcycle, you know, and, and I don't know what to do, and I sort of agonized over that for quite some time. And, um, and and I got to a point in my life where I said, okay, I'm just going to let it go. If I'm out of $500, I'm out of $500. I, you know, I do not care. I was willing to forgive and forget. I didn't hold a grudge against the guy that sold it to me. I was willing to let it go. Well, no sooner, and I did that, a couple days later, the guy who had sold it to me came back and said, I want to buy it back. Here, I'll give you the $500 that you gave me, and I'll take that motorcycle back. And it was amazing how it worked out because I, I didn't think it was going to work out this way. It was out of my hair. It was out of my hands. It was between him and the original owner now, and I was totally set free from that, you know, bondage or whatever. But I only think I, I think I was freed from it because of my attitude that I was willing to forgive, forget, let it go you know, and just not hold a grudge, be a peacemaker, and let it go. And it worked out beautifully. Okay, so is that really in the Bible? Jesus fulfilled the law. You know, here's the bottom line. If you're thinking that Jesus fulfilled the law so that you don't have to keep it, you've been brainwashed by mainstream. You know, if you think, Fulfill means abolish, dismiss, do away. No, it doesn't mean that. It means to fill up to its full original meaning. Just like those commandments that we looked at where Jesus said, but I say unto you, if you are angry with your brother, we're going to fill this law completely to the full. You've heard it said, don't, don't murder, you know, don't kill. But I say unto you, if you have anger in your heart toward your brother, you're guilty of killing We're gonna fill this law completely full. We're gonna make it fill. you know, we're gonna fulfill this law by by pouring this glass completely full. And you're gonna get the real meaning and the real purpose of this law. And, you know, Jesus said, you've heard it said, I, you know, don't commit adultery. But I say, we're gonna make this law full by saying, if you fantasize about sexual, if you undress a woman in your mind, you're guilty of committing adultery. So Jesus fills the law completely to the full. And he expects us to control what goes on between the ears. You see, that's what the spirit of the law is all about. It's about controlling what goes on between the ears. What you think about. You know, it's not only about the way you live your life, the fact that you go, I mean, there's all kinds of people who are not religious, who don't murder, who um, don't cheat on their wife in other words they're basically good law-abiding citizens but what goes on up here and this is what separates you know a real Christian from a fake it's what goes on between the ears what you think about you know maybe I've never murdered somebody but I hate so-and so in my mind and in my heart you know maybe I've never committed adultery but I sit, you know, and look at pornography and fantasize about sexual relationship. You see, this is this is this this is, well, what goes on between the ears. And what you choose to think about. Again, you can't control who knocks on the door of your mind. Okay, you cannot I mean we live in a rotten, filthy, evil world, there's sin all out there. There's temptation out there. you can't control who knocks on the door of your mind, but you can sure control who you let in. You don't have to let in that kind of garbage. You don't have to think about these evil things. You don't have to watch that kind of entertainment. You don't, you don't even have to watch TV period. I mean, I, I watch very little other than the news or the weather. That's about all I watch as far as television is concerned. I am very selective in what I allow into my mind. Because I if I allow something into my mind, I, I have a tendency to obsess on it. I have a tendency to just I can't let it go. You know, I just can't let it go. I don't know why that is. But I watched a movie one time, the Terminator and I couldn't let that thing go. I watched that movie over and over three years in a row. I mean, I just had to figure out every nuance every, everything that went on why did he do this, why did he do this, you know, and so I, I have a tendency, I, I realized it's better for me not to let that stuff in my mind than to waste my time trying to figure it all out. God expects us to be productive in our lives and not just waste our time thinking about wrong things. You can control who you let into your mind. You can control the thought. You can't control who knocks on the door of your mind, but you can sure control who you let in. And this is what real spiritual conversion is all about. It's about what you think about. It's the it's things you choose to set your mind on. You know, the Bible says whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are good, or whatsoever things are pure. You know, think about these things. Think about the good things in life, not the evil things. You know, this is true, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're a shut-in, if you're uh, by yourself, you know, uh, alone in your home. You can start obsessing on thoughts, Uh, Well, suppose someone breaks in suppose someone comes in here and kills me, you know, you know, when you choose to worry, you're choosing not to trust God. That's the bottom line. When you choose to worry, you are deliberately making a choice not to trust God. You don't have to think about these negative things. You know, the power of the mind, the power of now, the power of this very moment that you have to control what's going on in your head. It's an amazing thing, it really is. uh, The power that we have, and I might add, I should say, well, let me correct that, the power that we have. You know, a lot of cases, you gotta have the Holy Spirit of God to have that power to control. But you know, even if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, in other words, the Spirit of God is an enabler. It enables you to do things that you normally would not be able to do. But even in growing up without the Spirit of God, if you are aware of the fact that you do have choices to make in the way that you think, it's so important to understand that, especially as a young person, that you just don't have to allow your mind to go down all of these wrong channels and obsess on these wrong thoughts. And you know what? If you do this, if you choose to think right, you'll feel a lot better. You'll feel a lot better about yourself. You'll feel a lot better about others. You really will. So Jesus fulfilling, fulfilled the law. In other words, he filled the law so full that it impacts every avenue of your life. Your emotions, your feelings, and more important, every thought of your mind. Yes what you are thinking about right now, this very moment. And his explanation of the law, fulfill, filling the law to the full, is about every thought of your mind, what's going on in your mind. Real conversion, here's the bottom line, real conversion starts with the mind. Real conversion starts with the way you think the way that you will choose to think right now. And that's what's really in
0: your Bible. Is it possible for you to change a desire that you know is wrong? Is it even possible to change the man or woman in the mirror, and if so, how? Are we simply stuck with our emotions, feelings, bad habits, WITH NO HOPE OF EVER RISING ABOVE THEM? YOUR BIBLE SAYS GOD GIVES HIS HOLY SPIRIT TO THEM THAT OBEY HIM, WHICH MEANS CHANGE IS POSSIBLE. LEARN THE STEP-BY-STEP PROCESS FOR RECEIVING THE SPIRIT OF GOD. ORDER YOUR TWO FREE MAGAZINES, WHY YOU NEED THE SPIRIT OF GOD AND SHOULD YOU BE BAPTIZED. HAVING THE SPIRIT OF GOD MAKES THE IMPOSSIBLE POSSIBLE order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount 27 Brookledge Lane Rocky Mount Virginia 24151 That's Church of God Rocky Mount 27 Brookledge Lane Rocky Mount Virginia 24151 Also check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com